Hiya, and welcome to another episode of The Jewel Case with me, John Darcy. And you might be listening on Lisburn's 98 FM, or you might be listening on FM 105 in Downpatrick, or maybe you're listening on Bangor FM. Wherever you're listening, you're more than welcome. Oh yeah, did I forget to mention you could be listening on the podcast? Because we podcast all these episodes after the fact. Search for them on iTunes or on Audioboom. Wherever you get your podcasts, just search for The Jewel Case and you can hear all our back catalogue. We're like 30 episodes in now. There's plenty of local artists from Northern Ireland that you can hear a bit more about as I chat to them every week. We've had cheesemakers, we've had skateboarders, people in bands, authors, dramaturgs, all sorts of creative people in Northern Ireland. I get them and chat to them for about an hour and just, just check them out. It's all good. So today... We have some sound artists in the room. I am in the basement of the Sonic Arts Research Centre in Belfast. And uh, we're in a sort of uh, quite dark room where people usually plug in their computer to lots of speakers and make very strange experimental sounds. And I'm joined with two of them today. It's Min Kim and Tristan Clutterbuck. Hi, guys. Hello, John. Hi, John. How are you? We've been talking Pokemon and we've been talking <laughs> phone ringtones and everything uh, as our sort of warm-up chat before I turn the <laughs> microphones on. Uh, you've actually helped set up the microphones as well. I'm really glad to have two um, you know, experienced audio engineers with me. <laughs> this afternoon um a good you min first because the reason we've all got together today is to talk about a series of events that you've organized coming up uh in august it's called tuning the white walls and it's at ps squared gallery in belfast what is this all about well hello first and thank you john for this opportunity to talk about the upcoming series in august so it's a series of events basically uh, that will introduce different sound artists, um, composers, improvisers uh, who are based, well, mostly based in Belfast. Uh, the events will take place in PS Squared from the 11th to 27th of August. Uh, the events include sound installations, performances, um, performances that are basically sound works, but, but are blended with performance art aspects so there will be quite well hopefully interesting and uh, refreshing takes on sound art and uh, music and yes yeah it's sort of on that borderline of the practice that has sort of been developing the last number of years as a sound art as a distinctive artistic practice and experimental music and how all that interplays because what some person describes as sound art another person might describe as experimental music or something else depending on the context of where they're coming from Mm -hmm. um i've been reading through uh the sort of description on the p squared website if people want to read a bit more about this just go to p s squared spelled out fully in letters ps squared.org and just go to the upcoming exhibitions section and there's a little bit about tuning the white walls there and you can read um the program notes which min has really poetically written actually i was reading it earlier i really enjoy reading about it but you're talking about sort of the gallery space as a different way of presenting music or sound and how that can impact the work or mm-hmm. how the work exists in that space. Yeah, uh, you've addressed to this notion of sound art that it can be in- in- understood in different ways before. And uh, well, that's a kind of a, a can of worms, actually. Um, yeah, we don't want to offend <laughs> any <laughs> musicologists yeah, exactly. or uh, listening practitioners out mm-hmm. there. <laughs> but maybe I can talk about uh, how this came Together, actually, I was asked. I was approached by Peter, uh, who is the the main curator of PS Squared, and they themselves are organizing a series of of uh, series, which are all called Art and Something. So, Art and Politic, Art and uh, Craft, and uh, so mine, ours is Art and Sound. Mm-hmm. So, in this sense. Um, <clears throat> was basically encouraged to introduce put together works that that use the gallery space but from rather musical aspects rather than um the kind of sound artworks that pro uh, hmm. sorry <laughs> we're walking on it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes, <laughs> well let's say that our um you know um 
fundamentally visual art, yeah, but use sound. Sure. So the the works that will be introduced will have come from the musicians aspect. Yeah. First, from the musical background or sonic background, and somehow blend the visual aspect or other theater pra- theater practice or audience participation into their works. And we have one of those artists with us tonight, Tristan Clutterbuck. So Tristan, you'll be doing um, a performance. Uh, there's some installations at this, there's some workshop type events, and then there's sort of an evening of performances on the 26th of August, 7 to 9 p.m. And Tristan, you are playing and you're doing sort of a live improvisation with analog synthesizers, digital synthesizers. What are you up to? Yeah, so a mix of analog and digital synthesis and some tape and using microphones and feedback in the space as well, which I kind of felt like I had to include uh-huh. as part of this, like tuning the white walls, there needs to be some element of activating the space. So synthesizers kind of happen in the box. There's a bunch of internal mechanics going on. And I thought, well, one way, the easiest way to kind of bring things out into the room is through a microphone and a feedback loop with a loudspeaker. Um, I guess it's been interesting listening to you guys talk about these different categories we have. We have kind of sound art, sound artists who use visual elements and visual artists who just have some sound and really for me i i i guess i i don't really buy into it i i mean i you guys probably don't either like they're just kind of different ways of grouping artists together i guess um that don't always make a lot of sense part part of i guess the the common usage now of the term even sound art all these terms to describe artistic genres and and movements are all sort of usually put on them by people who are analyzing the movement, right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. If it's if, if if an artist comes up with the name of their movement, that was a big 20th century thing. Like, oh, we're going to call it Dada, yeah, we're yeah. going to call it Fluxus. It it's kind of it's kind of a different thing than I think the way Soundheart has been sort of categorized and analyzed. And there's you know critics like Bran Labelle, who's also a practitioner as well, um, and this sort of more wider discussion now about artworks that have been experimenting with uh, the year and how we perceive sound. Uh, you mentioned that you're going to maybe sort of activate the room or let the room activate the synth and that sort of feedback mechanism and that that's sort of what I was sort of poking at that Min was getting at in the uh, program note for the whole event in that it's not about just taking music and putting it in a gallery. Yeah. And put, taking sort of that um, one unidirectional, I think is the word that you use, or one one directional uh, relationship between the performer and the space and the audience, whereas this is more of a web of interactions. So by you placing a microphone that picks up the resonance of the room, and there's other performers that we'll talk about later who are going to attach speakers to the walls and put microphones in different weird places to start letting the room affect the sound in different ways. Yeah. Um, have you done this sort of thing before? And how is it going to change what you usually do when it comes to sort of twiddling the knobs on the synthesizer? Yeah, this is this is kind of a maybe sort of gene- genealogy of work which I've been involved with for the past few years or so. Um, and I think really it just it takes dynamics which are already at work in not you know what we would call the unidirectional musical performance. Um, you know, microphones feedback all the time yeah. <laughs> during gigs and things like that. <laughs> There's always a kind of play between how an audience influences what performers do. You know, like yeah. heckling for me is just the fundamental thing of a musical performance is people can chat, say nasty things to you <laughs> <laughs> when you're performing. Like there's always a feedback loop between performers and audience. Yeah. Um, and I think the kind of sound works, the kind of stuff which I'm going to be doing for this event and the kinds of things which Min is describing in uh, the blurb for the thing, just make those dynamics explicit and put them at the forefront. Sure. Um, so the it's kind of hard to find a way. What I'm going to be doing is quite technically involved, but mostly it's just setting up something, setting up a series of mechanisms where the room can effectively listen to itself. So make a feedback tone, which is just when you have a microphone and a loudspeaker and they're openly connected. So it just makes like a, 
just a hum, like a sine wave. People know what feedback is, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone knows what feedback is because yeah. every time someone interacts with a microphone on a stage in TV or film, yeah. like they go tap it, they go, and then they go one, and then it goes... Yeah. So, so that the audience watching the film knows that's a microphone this is a live <laughs> event right and I've I've been loving that recently I've seen a couple of films that don't do that so I think that trope is dying out thankfully it's such right. a it gives me a laugh every time I watch a movie yeah, and someone yeah. uses a microphone and it goes off feedback so I think the feedback that people are used to hearing is that yeah. screeching it's normally something you don't want to happen and you're actually inviting it yeah. to the party yeah well, in, inviting it in under a very specific set of circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> You're so controlling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's the idea anyway, is uh, having a system which can control the amount of sonic energy, let's say, sure. in the room. Uh, so having a mechanism which basically shuts off the feedback if it gets past a certain level. Um, and you can get some quite nice... If it doesn't blow up and give this horrible screeching sound, you can get some really nice kind of clean tones just by having microphones and loudspeakers open. Um, so I'm going to be using those to interact with an analog synthesizer and a bunch of recordings of me and my friends playing music and talking about music for the past from the past year or so and mixing all these elements. Together. So quite a complex little performance ecosystem, you could say. Yeah. And that, that night that you're playing, I think... All of the artists are using feedback in different ways. So we have Kaelin Daly, who has an open feedback loop system, and Angus McAvoy, who everyone knows loves really loud noises. <laughs> but we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit more about them and the details. And actually, Tristan, can we maybe have a little demonstration of the kind of sounds that you make later in the show? Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, Min, you said that Peter came to you with this idea. Peter from PA Squared Gallery. Uh, came to you with this idea to say art and sound. What was your feeling um, about what kind of artists to book for this event and how to pull these artists who are actually all working in different areas completely, how to program that? How, does, how do you even begin to think about that? Yeah, the first thing I basically did was going through all of the artist friends that I had. or not. Well, they didn't need to be my friends, but the yeah. artists that I knew who made sound uh, in one way or, or another in their practice and um, I also wanted to I wanted to also introduce artists from different background as well as institution if you want to sure. say that so I wanted to involve some of the PhD or undergraduate students from SARC which I'm based at myself and also from other places um, that hasn't really worked out so <laughs> <laughs> It's well, I mean, Sark uh, Sonic Arts Research Center in Belfast is just such a hive of activity that seems yeah, to magnetize yeah. all these practitioners of sound in mm. Belfast. Yeah, I did try, really. Uh, it didn't really work out, unfortunately. Uh, apart from Miguel Ortiz and Steph Horak, but Miguel Ortiz is an alumnus. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, th I think you find this everywhere. Like experimental music, people like to kind of set up. Um, academic and non-academic music mm. um, because they're quite neat boxes to place people in. But experimental music has always had this porous boundary with academia. And in a place the size of Belfast, like it's inevitable that everyone yeah. you know who does weird stuff with sound in this city is going to have some link yeah. to SART. And Sonic Arts Research Centre is relatively big. Yeah. In, you know, within Belfast, it's a, it's got a big crowd. Well, maybe actually it's a good opportunity for me to ask you two both about your backgrounds um, because like, I want to know what actually brought you to Northern Ireland in the first place. I know obviously the centre, but there are other uh, places where you can study experimental music and sound art and all this stuff around the world. Like Min, what was it that brought you to SARC? Because you came here to do a master's at first. Well, yeah, obviously I wanted to study um, the kind of thing that I'm doing right now. Well, sound-based compositions and um, art. When I looked at the website and read about read a little about the, the place, this looked like a place where I can do the kind of out of music things that were still mm -hmm. music, you sure. know, that were still musical. Because in a lot of um, um, experimental music or sound art or whatever these things might be called, departments in universities around the world, they are often very 
object focused um object as in you know you make things basically make sure. tangible things instrument building all of it, which is great but i i don't really do that yeah so that was the the point that really appealed to me you were sort of studying were you studying classical music at this stage or were you sort of in a have you had you already gone down the rabbit hole of experimentalism at yes i had yes i was opening up i was just like a you know piece of clay really so I had kind of decided to abandon the about you know six years of education <laughs> and more from my childhood. Well, you, you were like a classical pianist. Uh, you still are bo- probably right. Yeah, you can I still mean, play all that stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can. I guess it's more than yeah. I did study composition and I did study piano as well. I mean, I've been playing piano since I was like four. So. Yeah. Um, I still enjoy uh, playing piano, but in a different way, obviously now, because in this um, the experimental ensemble based in Sark Cube, I did play piano and. Yeah, I remember we uh, first met. I don't oh, know if yeah, you remember this. Was, uh... Uh, Cube is, and you've heard about this on the podcast. If you're a regular listener, Paul Stapleton was a guest very early on in the podcast, and we talked about Cube, which is the Queen's University experimental ensemble, and. They hold sort of very relaxed, loose auditions uh, just so that the organisers of the group can get an idea about individual players at the start of each year. And me and Min actually met uh, for the first time right before that audition. I, I, yeah. I hate to call it an audition because oh. it's really just like a little a little jam. Mm-hmm. And we met like five minutes before we yeah. were then sent into the hall to do an improvisation together. And we were both doing voice uh, so that was really interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, I remember uh, Steve. So we were making sound. It was Luke, Luke Bannon as well. Yeah, Luke so it Bannon was as well. Shout Luke out Bannon. to Luke Bannon. He yes, was playing hello. violin then. <laughs> yeah, and we played, and Steve Davis went, "Oh, just go a bit crazy." You know, this is too, too, too calm. And then we did kind of, yeah. Let it loose a little bit. I think. So I knew you as a vocalist then. I had that pegged in my head. That was my image of you then. And it was only maybe a full year or a year and a half later where I had organized a little improvised session for a piece of mine that I wrote based on E.E. E. Cummings poetry called Self Preservation or what was it called? Uh, I forget the name of it now. Wanderizings or something. You know the way he messed up words. And I had you playing piano on it. And you were amazing. It was unbelievable. I had you piano and me and Caroline Pugh on voice and Chris McCann playing oh, drums. Of course, yes. And I would be <laughs> I would be doing yeah. these, I would be reading the lyrics and the instructions were that you could either sort of chime in with other people or repeat them or, or echo them or whatever. And I would sort of sing these uh, improvised melodies based on the lyrics. And then I'd suddenly hear like a chord that would completely uh, chime in with what I was doing. And it was, it was min because you're like perfect pitch and just had these amazing um, accompaniments for me. And I was just, I was making it up. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know how to accompany me there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember that session now. It was really nice in Hardy room. Yeah. 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 In a way, I guess I, I, well, I don't know if I want to analyze myself, but I guess I play piano sometimes like I would sing or, you know, like Mm. I would speak or vice versa. Well, vice versa is a bit more difficult, but (laughs) yeah. I have a story about Min playing the piano. Oh, yeah? (laughs) My favorite memory of Min playing the piano was another Cube gig. (laughs) Uh, So going back to that ensemble, a gig in Lawrence Street Workshop Mm -hmm. where we were playing upstairs and you were playing an upright piano with your back to the audience. So the piano was facing away from the audience. <laughs> and I think you were doing a duo with someone or... Grania. With Grania, yeah, think, on yeah. the harp. Um, and it was very quiet, very beautiful. Lots of this kind of pitch matching business like you were just talking about, like finding notes and playing together, really nice improvisation, but very kind of quiet and delicate. And a dog just walks <laughs> up on stage. Harry. <laughs> yeah, Harry the dog, who obviously knows Min. And has no sense or, you know, maybe he did understand. Are you, you going to berate a dog for having no sense that there's, <laughs> the, there's a performance on here? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was about to say maybe he did know. But either way, like everyone was kind of really on edge because it's like, there's a dog on stage. There's a dog on stage. I, I Min love, doesn't know I love that. that there's a dog right behind it. Like, it, was, it was a great moment. Yeah, I didn't know until 
it was over. Yeah, yeah, just like sniffing your back while you're playing. <laughs> oh, <was> okay. <laughs> so Tristan, you actually play with Cube as well. I have done in the past, yeah. And what was it that brought you over? Because you're not originally from Belfast. No, can you not tell? <laughs> if you couldn't tell. <laughs> Where um, were you before? You were in Scotland. Yeah, so I moved over from Edinburgh uh, about 18 months ago now, I guess. Um, so I'm also doing a PhD at Sark. Um, and for me, I guess I have a specific interest in improvisation. And I was looking around different places and Sark seemed to just seem like everyone here who's doing different stuff to each other still uh, the thing which brings them all together is they have some interest in improvisation it seemed like a thread that ran through most of the staff at the Mm. time um and so that was quite attractive to me and some kind of theoretical overlap with the kinds of stuff that i'm interested in and what some people do here as well so that and the dell (laughs) (laughs) living off the dell that irresistible (laughs) combination brought me here and how have you found living in northern ireland compared to scotland because i mean northern ireland and scotland both voted to to remain in the eu where you know we're united as that union of crack as i've seen on facebook one of those uh, memes do you find the culture different or how would you describe that from growing up i guess on in england moving to scotland and then landing in northern ireland not to put you on the spot yeah i'm gonna have to <laughs> i can offend, potentially offend three different groups of people <laughs> so, <laughs> you've literally just asked me to compare the english the scottish and the irish live on air I mean, so, that's, uh, we ask the difficult questions here on the jail case yeah um i'm not sure well obviously edinburgh and the east coast of Scotland is very different to Belfast. Yeah. Even just the landscape, the dynamics of the city is so different uh, in Belfast to Edinburgh. Um, Belfast does remind me of Glasgow a little bit. I always feel like that too. Yeah. It's like Glasgow's but like so a big brother smaller, of yeah. Belfast. Yeah. Um, and bits of Manchester as well. Maybe not so much now. And that's where you're originally sort of from around that area? Uh, well, I was born down south. Right. So originally from Gloucester, which is south of Birmingham. Right. Uh, East Midlands, West Midlands. Sorry. Look it up on Google Maps, people. I I don't have a pithy line about the difference between Scotland and Northern Ireland, unfortunately. Well, you've sort of landed in on Belfast amidst the uh, big boon in craft beer live music i mean we didn't have all these things a couple of years ago <laughs> okay i mean when i was growing up as a teenager that was when we were actually starting to get like touring bands coming over and you've sort of landed in as we've got a bit better well that's maybe something worth talking about is kind of just one thing that i can compare maybe without offending people is how venues are set up in Sure. These different cities. So in Edinburgh, it was becoming really difficult to book gigs because of the festival. But that occurs every August. Yeah. 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 And so that just has wiped out all of the bars and venues because they have like regular shows every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But also that kind of just drives prices up anyway. So So are you seeing like rent and rates and everything going up because of that massive tourism influx yeah or more like kind of nights have to move around more because a place where people have been booking gigs for years all of a sudden costs three times as much as it did before um and in northern ireland it seems like there are places to do kind of small weird things not like enemy band level you know i'm talking about like making stupid sounds and having 15 20 people in the room Uh um you can do those things in belfast but it's almost always in kind of gallery spaces which i think is quite interesting like there's not really bars where you can book the venue with a pa or something to put on a gig of like experimental music like almost all of that stuff seems to happen in places like ps squared or lawrence street workshops or I don't know, Catalyst have run a few things before as well. Yeah. But there doesn't seem to be much of a scene of that outside of kind of its links to visual art, I guess, or performance art or whatever it is. Um, so maybe the sound art label has been kind of really helpful there. For me, especially because I see myself more as coming from the side, you kind of set up 
at the beginning of the show, there were kind of people who were more sort of performance arty and people more leaning towards traditional music and performance. And I kind of come more from that background. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, shock horror. Well, actually, Min as well, you, uh, I think you had a lot of, you're obviously you're curating this show at PS Squared, but I think you're one of the practitioners here at the minute who's doing a lot for putting sound art on in the galleries, whether that's places like Lawrence Street Workshop or Queen Street, things like that. Also through your work with like Sonorities Festival and things like that. How, how do you find this whole Belfast music in the gallery scene? One of the first things that struck me as um, special, I guess I could say, about the galleries here in Belfast is that they are actually very open to music, experimental music, sonic arts, whatever whatever it is. And they are, they've been just really welcoming all this, you know, other people in a way could say. Well, especially P Squared. I think P Squared really, for me, I'm not sure if, if other people have sort of developed this uh, approach to it, but so many of the sound artists, performers, whatever you want to call them, I feel like we're getting beyond the having to label everything now. But people working with sound, P-Squared has been a really important place mm -hmm. for those artists working in Belfast. You look at Florian Hollerweger, you look at Matt Green, you look at people like Mathilde Merles, you, me. Uh, I'm sure Tristan's done something or other in there. Uh, a lot of the guys in my master's course, Rory Brady and um, another PhD student, uh, Robin Renwick, and nearly everyone's been through the doors mm -hmm. of PS Squared and that's partly to do with how open Peter is and how yeah. enthusiastic he is about bringing in new art and not just visual stuff on the walls but things mm -hmm. that are going to make the place resonant and blow up. Yeah. I really I really feel like this place has an affinity and if people are going to write about what's happened in Belfast with experimental music and sound in years to come that's a pivotal venue. Yeah, the the windows of the, I mean, the space, I mean, it is actually called the project space, I think. Yeah. It is just kind of, if you just look at it, it's just, you know, it's a kind of, it's just a rundown room, really. But it's very inspiring, I have to say. In a way, it's less of a pristine white walls. It's got some spirit and uh, it, it kind of talks to you when you're, when you're in there. And yeah. uh, while they're moving, though. So this series will be the last event, the last events in that space. Wow, so. you just broke the news to me mid-show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't realize they were moving. So this is this is coming to the end of this golden era that I, I feel like we've built up with. Well, in that space. Yeah. And I'm sure it'll, I hope it'll yeah, hopefully. continue to be the you know, Do they same have a new welcoming. space lined up? Yeah, with North Street. Right. Ah, Okay. Let's run through the actual program for tuning the white walls at Peace Squared Gallery. Uh, we said already it's the 11th to the 27th of August, but that is a mixture of sort of long-term installations, one-day installations, workshoppy things and concerts. So the first thing kicking us off is uh, on the 11th of August, 7 to 9 p.m., Una Lee in a sort of audience participatory one-to-one -one performance and the performance is called Show Me Your Palms and I'll Give You Stones. Min, explain what this is because I've actually done it before. Yes. This is a, this is really a, 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 a redux or a, a repeat? Yeah, it's a, it's a different rendition in terms of uh, not the content of the piece, but in terms of the set or sure. setting or the visual aid. Because when I yeah. first saw it, it was in a room in Sark and you walked into the room and it was in darkness and you had to walk into a tent mm -hmm. and you were uh, sort of in a very dull light and you were sort of nearly like a palm reader mm -hmm. um, in the sort of guys. It was an amazing performance. So oh, what, does the, what should an audience expect from this as that one-to-one -one <laughs> participant? Yes. Well, it'd be nice if they were open to anything <laughs> to <laughs> well, begin you, but with. But you're not going to like... <laughs> I don't know, steal their phone, right? You're not <laughs> no, going to no, face no. paint them. No, not really. Uh, it'll involve some one-to-one uh, -one interaction, um, a little bit of intimacy, some sight reading of music, but in in the form of graphic score. And uh, it involves some counting and a little bit of hand action. Yes, the, the participant, the audience, yes. which is one person at a time, um, which is re really lovely. I've 
I actually, after I was at your thing, uh, this was last year, I went to a thing actually at Edinburgh Festival um, put on by this amazing theatre company. I wish I could remember the name, but they're world-renowned and I'm really embarrassed. I can't remember the name of them now. And it was a one-to-one performance. You were brought through and they sort of just put you through this whole weird psychological experience where you looked at yourself on video and through mirrors and talked to yourself and talked to other people. Uh, you, your performance is a really intimate thing that sort of makes you, it made me so excited. I was like sort of nearly bouncing up and down in my chair at this because uh, you you show us the graphic notation, which is very simple. Don't be put off. It's not like uh, musical notation that no. if you can't read music, you don't understand. It's very simple. It involves your hands and objects and uh, you take us through in a very nice relaxed voice <laughs> on how to perform the piece with you um, and it just left me feeling warm mm-hmm. just from that intimate engagement uh, that's great yeah that's that's my expectation I guess in the piece <laughs> and so will you be kidding out the room with that sort of tent um, physical object for mm-hmm. this little interaction to take place in because I can imagine you don't want it happening in sort of that echoing white wall space there's yeah. got to be some dampening of that yes there will be some interference architectural intervention well mm. not really architectural it's, it's, <laughs> it's gonna be just a couple of sheets i guess <laughs> ikea <Joel. laughs> yeah uh, but it'll look different i mean it, the, the the number of the audience who visited the my my last rendition of this piece aren't that many obviously it's a one-to-one performance mm-hmm. piece uh, it was about 15 people there's only so many you can accommodate um so this performance on the 11th of August is 7 to 9 p.m. So that's a two-hour period. Yeah. So there's going to be a lucky few here. There actually should be a queue out the door for this. Yeah, I'm going to set up a doodle, what's it called? Oh, uh, like a, a, a an, on, an online yeah, sort of probably. booking system? Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, do that. And so the, the performance, what does it last, like 10 minutes, yes, 5 minutes? Yes, about 10 minutes. Okay. Uh, the, the, the little... Uh, verse that's in the program note says I'd like you to play with me to play a little piece for stones and hands our hands so take a seat show me your palms and I'll give you stones and then we begin Um, that describes everything it describes the whole thing (laughs) (laughs) we should have just read that (laughs) so that's on the 11th of August that is Una Lee which is your performance name so not to be confused with Min Kim who is the uh curator who we're talking to mm-hmm. right now yes. you Hello. Yes. Uh, but Una Lee your alter ego performer uh, will be delivering mm-hmm. this so if you Perfect. ask for Min Kim on the day she's, she's not, not gonna in. be there no <laughs> have you maybe a little bit of a different performance maybe you could play uh, to give uh, our listeners a bit of an idea about what you do outside of this because I talked about earlier your sort of voice based work and text based work can we maybe play a little, little extract of another piece yeah sure I also do make compositions using my spoken voice and uh, mostly environmental sound recordings and I kind of compose pieces, immersive and a bit evocative. That's my underlying intention in most of my compositions. So uh, I brought an excerpt of uh, my piece, An Arlesian Room. It was made in Arles, in France, Uh, Arles. Um, Are you saying that in my voice? Arles? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually don't know how you say this in English. Arles? I mean, it's it's Arles in, in French. Anyway, the piece was made there and uh, it was very inspired by my state, basically, of my being there. And uh, the sounds, uh, some of the sounds are from the, the place and some of them are actually from my uh, home, from my hometown uh, in South Korea. It just began to rain, fresh raindrops falling on the grapevines after a day of blazing sun. It's almost midnight, and it's too hot to sleep without being truly exhausted. Last night, I caught up with much-needed sleep, and now I seem to be too well-rested, and yet restless. Earlier this evening, I asked Marianne if she thinks it'll rain. She said she hopes so, but it won't. I trusted her. Now my mustard yellow sundress is soaking wet on the clothesline. I guess I was not afraid of... Being here, I only have limited connection to the outside world and consequently to my real life. 
A part of me thinks, who needs a real life in paradise? With tomatoes bursting cherry-colored flavor and bacon melting in your tongue, so sweet like fresh honey. And then there was some field kind of area with a very big tree. I close the book, and, uh, turn off the light. Rodinsky's Room by Rachel Lichtenstein. The writer dives into an obsessive excavation of traces of a mysteriously disappeared Jewish man in East London. She weaves a story about how she spent a good deal of her own life researching a stranger's life. I stand in darkness, towards outside the window. I place the rain in front of my eyes. I can smell the lavender planted in the garden. It manages to stand out from the muddy smell of rain. Cool breeze strokes my cheeks, shoulders, breasts. While on my back, still hot air lingers. And you moved also. Yeah, yeah. And I think to myself, it feels like home. I remember what home feels like. But I also forgot what it feels like. Describe the, this area you were speaking about from the helicopter. So that was a short excerpt from An Arlesian Room, a piece by a sound artist called Una Lee, who is with me in the studio tonight, along with another sound artist, Tristan Clutterbuck. And we're talking about Tuning the Walls, which is an exhibition taking place, uh, well, not an exhibition, a series of performances and installations and exhibitions and events taking place in P-Squared Gallery in Belfast, 11th of August to the 27th of August. You are listening to The Jewel Case with me, John Darcy. Uh, you're more than welcome. You might be on Lisburn's 98FM, FM 105 in Patrick, or Bangor FM in Bangor. Uh, so next up on the uh, schedule for tuning the white walls is on the 12th of August, the day after Una Lee's performance is a installation by Miguel Ortiz and Steph Horak. Now we haven't got them in the studio because they're actually based in London at Goldsmiths University and they're doing an audience participatory sonic installation. Whew. So <laughs> <laughs> apparently this work explores um, ideas of conflict and cooperation through music and uh, regions nationalities and identities are represented by melodies that require audience participation and cooperation. So I'm imagining that this piece, the audience's movement or interaction is going to change what sounds occur. Min, do you have any further idea about what's going to happen here? Have have the artists themselves actually told you what they're going to do or is it a big surprise? So there will be music boxes uh, displayed that will be connected with just one role. And uh, they'll be scattered around the room and ah. uh, the audience will have to play the music boxes in cooperation to make the sound, you know, make it sound actually nice. Because otherwise it might stop, it'll rip, something might happen. Ah. And uh, so Miguel Ortiz, who was uh, who came up with this concept, he wanted to, well, he wanted to address to the conflict and, you know, the regional about the piece and I'm imagining that the idea is that they're playing on people's expectations of pretty music as well mm -hmm. and that do we want to as an audience cooperate and make the pretty music or do we want to maybe go our own way and start playing our box faster or slower than someone else which is going to disrupt the piece mm -hmm. and make things go a bit out of kilter yeah and very appropriate for Belfast <laughs> yes, exactly. and Northern Ireland I mean, yeah. in general <laughs> yeah that's partly what inspired Miguel, I think. I mean, he was based here and uh, yeah. He, yeah, he's he's lived here for six, seven years. So. Mm. Well, I mean, at least it's it, there's a nice abstract uh, take on it, um, on the idea of cooperation through the music boxes. If it had been about marching bands, then it would have got maybe a little bit too <laughs> literal for us here. <laughs> uh, so that is on the 12th of August, uh, 6 to 9 p.m., Miguel Ortiz and Steph Horak. Maybe we'll play a little bit of an excerpt of the kind of um, music Miguel mix here. Mm -hmm. 
So that was a little excerpt of Miguel Ortiz's music, just to give you a little flavor. If you want to look up Miguel, it's Miguel Ortiz and you spell Ortiz, O-R-T-I-Z. You can look up his music online. And Miguel is collaborating with Steph Horak, who is another sound artist based in London also. And you can look up her work as well online. So the next event is uh, actually a longer running installation. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you'll only be able to hear Miguel and Steph's installation 6 to 9 p.m. on the 12th of August. That's just one evening. Um, But Pablo Sanz's installation runs from the 18th to the 24th of August. And the opening event, uh, the opening sort of, I guess, maybe there'll be a drinks reception or something. I don't know who's bringing the beers. Uh, It's 6 p.m. on the 18th of August. Uh, So Pablo's work is very much to do with sight and field recordings. Mm -hmm. And for this, um, he's actually doing an intervention in the gallery where he is uh, attaching vibration transducers to the gallery space, the walls, and maybe even the window. Um, I'm not quite sure. To, in his words, approach the gallery space as an experiential physical context rather than as a container. So, Min, what, what can we expect to hear? What sort of sounds are we going to experience when we walk into the gallery here? Well, Pablo will probably uh, work with feedback as well and uh, some physical vibration. So what does physical vibration sound like? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think he'll create a sort of harmonious, um, you know, choir type of sound with uh, different walls and the, the windows and uh, um, objects that will be there and play them, basically, and... Uh, turn the whole space into a sort of an instrument. In terms of a specific sound, I couldn't really imagine it myself. Yeah, even it's hard to describe because we could even, we could actually play something like the sounds, but it really wouldn't be the same listening to the podcast or listening on the radio in your car or whatever. It will not at all be the same as someone stepping into that gallery and experiencing that sound with those walls actually vibrating, being Mm -hmm. the speakers themselves. Like I'm not, I'm not slagging off your car radio. I'm not slagging <laughs> off the speakers in your house, but it just won't be the same. Uh, so if you want to hear that, you'll have to call in. And the gallery's open daily, sort of nine to yeah. five. Yeah. Um, so that week, the 18th to the 24th of August, please try to get down to Pablo's installation. And uh, maybe actually we'll play a bit of Pablo's other work. Um, we've got a little excerpt of uh, one of Pablo's pieces here. Um, again, if you want to find out more online, uh, Pablo's name is Pablo, spelled P-A-B-L-O, and Sanz is his surname, S-A-N-Z. This is a short extract of one of his pieces. So that was a short excerpt from a piece by Pablo Sanz, a composer also based at the Sonic Arts Research Centre, who is uh, putting on a a week-long installation, a site-specific installation at Peace Squared Gallery for the Tuning the White Walls uh, series. Uh, It's on 18th to the 24th of August. The next event that's happening after that, the penultimate event, is uh, 26th of August in the evening, 7 to 9 p.m., Angus McAvoy and Angus uh, we all know from hanging about uh, doing weird improvisation gigs in Belfast with his guitar and a series of implements like violin bows and uh, chopsticks chopsticks knives feather feather yeah Uh, electric razor he's delicate too (laughs) (laughs) and Tristan you've actually uh, improvised with Angus in a couple of ensemble performances yeah we've played together a lot over the past 
18 months. And how would you describe his sort of a guitar improv? And I think in this performance at PS Squared, he's going to be using some tape loops as well. I think uh, Angus described it himself pretty accurately in his program note. Oh, do you want me to read read the program notes? It says, Angus McAvoy will explore the gnarled and frayed ends of white out feedback, tape wobble, and guitar stretched out into a strange, sticky mess. Total ear goop. <laughs> yeah, those are the words I was looking for. Strange ear mess, total ear goop. That's uh, Angus's practice summed goop. up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, has Angus uh, grown the beard back yet? No. Because like, for years I knew him and he sort of looked like a caveman and he actually performs as well in a topless barbershop quartet the primal barbershop trio <laughs> yeah the primal barbershop trio <laughs> where uh they sort of scream into microphones and crawl about the floor and stuff uh primal scream sort of thing uh, <laughs> look up john lennon and primal scream right uh so he's shaved the beard now he's shaved the beard yeah <sighs> it's not the same without the beard you don't think no he looked like a different person i was so used that's, to it. that's it it's rejuvenation he's a mm. he's a new man he did look about Four thousand years younger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, to get back to his music, though. Um... <laughs> Sorry, let's bring it back to the music. Yeah. Well, we should. You know, we treated the others <laughs> with some semblance of respect. <laughs> uh, I guess Angus is going to be playing acoustic guitar, maybe. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So it's a. I don't know. I don't want to say it's like Derek Bailey, but he does some stuff like Derek Bailey. He's okay. very good. Well, I mean, you as one of his regular collaborators, yeah. I suppose, are allowed to talk and you know compare to other people because you know. Yeah, I know. He's. Um, I guess he takes a lot from. If you're into any kind of solo guitar free improvisation, Angus kind of draws from that whole history, and mixes it all up in a bunch of different ways. Uh, and then I think he's going to be linking that in with a bunch of old tapes and okay. kind of improvising with past recordings of himself and other people, I guess. Uh, should be interesting. Cool. Well, we'll have a little excerpt of the sort of things. This isn't going to be exactly what he plays, obviously, because he's improvising. But we'll we'll have a little excerpt of what uh, Angus generally gets up to when he's left to his own devices with a guitar and lots of uh, utensils. That was Angus McAvoy, uh, an improviser who uh, I think he's based in Dublin right now, right? Yeah. But yeah. he's uh, coming back up to Belfast for this show, uh, which is part of the Tuning the White Walls um, series taking place in PS Squared Gallery. Uh, rounding out the evening that Angus is performing on, the uh, the other performer we have with us tonight, it's Tristan Clutterbuck. Well, you talked a little bit about your work earlier and your synthesizer um maybe we can talk a little bit more about that because you have sitting behind you on a desk here uh, of sort of a rack a synth rack how, how would you describe that it's, it's a it's a collection of modules yeah it's a modular synthesizer um and there's a mix of analog and digital mm-hmm. stuff in this box it's not strictly analog synthesis which people sometimes get hung up on that idea yeah but it's kind of maybe goes hand in hand with people's like loving vinyl now like yeah, I think yeah. sounds warmer with analog yeah that's that's <laughs> that term warm what is warm sound <laughs> um 
This is a very warm object. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's like the room is very warm that we're sitting in. It's flashing yeah. and blinking and everything. Yeah, I'm trying not to turn around. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but you've actually assembled this yourself. It's not. It's by no means a straight out of the box modular synth. Like uh, a lot of these are weirdo synths, boutique synths, and ones Excuse that me? you've uh, <laughs> ones that you've actually made yourself. Yeah, and, you, and it's covered in patch uh, patch cables that are connecting the inputs to the outputs, and maybe the inputs to the inputs. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Lots of strange. This is not. This is not a, a typical synth that we see in like the guitar shop, which is like a, maybe like a, a Moog or something that that synthesizes m- music, right? <laughs> like a classical music or pop music or rock music. You make very strange sounds with this. Yeah. So this is this. The box behind me is ridiculous. It's like I kind of set out to set to build the stupidest instrument I could imagine. <laughs> Uh, essentially to make some very strange sounds it's a mix of some of these bits i bought ready-made and then there's a bunch of diy and open source stuff in there as well um there's a really interesting community of people making open source hardware Mm. and open source software for these kinds of things um and most of these modules are for or do synthesis in chaotic or non-linear ways and I'm really interested in chaos and nonlinear dynamics <clears throat> at kind of sound generation level. So um, a typical synthesizer, when it makes a sound, it oscillates in a linear way. So it just kind of repeats yeah. um, to make a tone. Um, so I'm interested in what kinds of tones we can make when we use nonlinear processes to generate sounds, but also how nonlinear dynamics uh, manifest themselves at a more organizational level. So using chaotic systems to generate a melody, say, or a bunch of pitches to put it in kind of more traditional terms, Um, but using basically strange systems to organize the sounds as well as generate the sounds themselves. Yeah. Um, So it's semi-autonomous, I guess, this thing. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about because I first heard your work um, that was done all in the box, all on a laptop using a um, program that some people might be familiar with, uh, Max MSP, and you create these really complex patches that are sort of uh, graphically coded, I guess, and you make these random algorithms uh, that produce noise in certain ways and you have certain element of control over that randomness. And you kept you kept using that word word chaotic and chaos is really what you're creating, but what's maybe interesting about that, not maybe definitely interesting about that, is that you're using all these synthetic means to make something that sounds completely alive and natural. A lot of the time when you listen to synthesized music, whether that's in like a genre like a pop music or synthesized rock music, um. EDM, IDM, it can sound quite robotic and it can sound definitely synthesized. The sounds that you make sound like an animal or like a forest or like water. It is chaotic and it sounds like it's it's breathing and living and moving about, running about. How did how did you how did this become the music that you make? I, d- I don't know what my question is. How did? Yeah. Well, uh, maybe how, I can answer that in a in a couple of ways, I guess. Um, so I'm really interested in kind of playing with that space of something which you can't quite tell if it's synthetic or if it's a recording of I don't know a water drop or a creature or something like that. I think there's a really interesting space there where this kind of flickering happens where one point you listen to it and it sounds like a real thing and then all of a sudden it flips and it sounds like a synthetic sound and for me that's a really interesting process Mm -hmm. um just as a listener you know i mean when i'm making this stuff i'm listening to it as well um and i first came at this stuff uh by listening to voice and vocal improvisation and stuff like this okay and thinking like i wonder how i could synthesize those kinds of sounds or how could i imitate say what a friend of mine does on the saxophone when she improvises Ah. try it so it was kind of like a mimicry thing um and it just so happened when i use the word chaos i should maybe be a bit 
clear about that. It refers to um, complex and unpredictable behaviors that aren't random. So they're deterministic. There's a kind of a subtle difference there. Not completely random. So the the easiest example of a chaotic system is the weather. Um, <laughs> the weather is very, very complicated. Um, and we can sort of predict what it will do, but we also can't. All uh-huh. of a sudden, you know, a hurricane appears out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but that is still deterministic. It's not random. Um, and for me, these things are useful because it just so happens that uh, chaotic systems are what drive traditional musical instruments. So mm. the reed in a saxophone um, displays chaotic properties and the relationship between the string on a violin and the body of the violin and the way these two things vibrate and feed back into one another is a kind of chaotic system. Um, so I use those similar types of processes, but much simpler in analog and digital synthesis to kind of imitate some of these sounds um, to perform with people who play traditional instruments. Well, I'm sure our listeners are dying to hear what this actually sounds like because we could talk for hours and try to describe it, but it's totally different to actually hear. So maybe you have the box behind you. Can we do a little live performance now? Yeah, sure. We can do that. Okay, right. Well, Tristan's uh, going to rotate and uh, start twiddling the uh, knobs on his uh, <laughs> big crazy box of synthesizers. So this is Tristan Clutterbuck. He is playing on the 26th of August at Peace Square Gallery. Tristan, take it away. that was Tristan Clutterbuck performing his uh, chaotic synthesizer here in the studio in the Sonic Arts Research Centre. I have with me Min, Kim and Tristan Clutterbuck who are both performing at the Tuning the White Walls uh, sort of, I'm going to call it a festival. It's like a festival. <laughs> it's a series. It's a, it's a summer of festivals. But this series is taking place in uh, Peace Square Gallery in Belfast. Tristan's performing on the 26th of August. And then the final performance, well, it's not really a performance. I'm going to call it more of a workshop participation um, event. It's actually run by myself. This has all been just a nepotistic <laughs> exercise <chill. laughs> for me to promote my own gig, right? <laughs> so the day after Tristan's performance is the 27th of August. And from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m., it's an afternoon thing. It's your Saturday afternoon if you're stuck for something to do. Uh, I'm going to be running an audience participation choral performance. So... What is an audience participation choral performance? Well, I'm glad you asked. Are you now the host? Are you asking (laughs) me the questions? Great. Well, Tristan, I don't know if you know, this was maybe before you arrived on our green shores. I was uh, running a sort of ephemeral uh, coming here and going there uh, loose group collective called Belfast City Choir. which was sort of actually really a title for a series of performances where I would hand over the performance duties to the audience and the audience would be provided with a songbook and they would participate, sometimes led by me and sometimes led by uh, a screen or uh, that would tell them which song to sing. And usually what I try to do is uh, engage an audience with local literature 
Um, I've done this in Belfast, obviously, but I also did a project in Dublin called Tolka Chorus, uh, which was based on uh, literature around Dublin relating to a river uh, that we did this community arts project based around. Every now and then, after a storm, these tranquil waters break briefly into rolling frenzy over the shattered stones. Mother Nature shows herself red in tooth and claw. These moments are truly awe-inspiring. Uh, so I try to get people to experience literature in a different way, i.e. not being read out like a poem or not just reading it on a wall on a plaque. I'm handing it over to you as lyrics that you'll perform in certain ways. So for some songs, uh, you might get an instruction to improvise a melody or some songs it might ask you to just have a chat with the person next to you about the text. So um, I feel like that's a really nice way to get people to start talking about literature. And I think it's really important in Belfast as well that we look at this great body of literature, like poetry and prose about the peace process, about where Northern Ireland is going. There's great work by writers like Alan Gillis and Sinead Morrissey and also even back to Seamus Heaney and Michael Longley uh, literature that's talking about the past but also with an eye to how we're processing the past and looking towards a future a future identity for Northern Ireland and what that means can that exist will that exist important now that we're like looking at Britain and its relationship to the wider world and the EU really scary confusing times so I'm not going to make it uh, too dark and too depressing. I feel like I probably went a bit too hard in here on of, like it's about literature and it's about poetry. It's about taking part and giving voice to yourself and to some text because at the end of the day with these sort of works, it's always actually a lot about my sense of humour. Having poking a little bit at people's usual expectations of a gallery or of a concert space where there's a like Min we were talking about earlier, this unidirectional performance. I'm trying to break away from that and make it more of an ecosystem where people can play games and uh, have a bit of a laugh. There's always laughter at these events and there's always a bit of gameplay aspect that I'm sort of thinking about, um, influenced by people like John Cage. And uh yeah, if you if you have no experience, please come along. All you have to do is read and you don't even have to vocalize like Tristan. If you don't want to sing, you don't have to sing. You can just I want to sing. <laughs> you do want to sing. Yeah. You're the soloist. I'm just speaking for, you know. <laughs> it always sounds really beautiful. You can just sit there actually and just listen to it because people, you know, vocalizing together. It all, I've been to many of your events, yeah. It always sounds really beautiful. I, there's just something about. I mean, people can't help but sing in harmony. Yeah. Um, you, you, my 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 instructions are always very open, like sing in a tune of your choice, and people always end up harmonizing together. Well, it's yeah. partly the hymn culture. Yeah, it can come from <laughs> hymn culture, and especially we have like a lot of people, um, especially in Northern Ireland, their f initial experiences with music is does happen in church, mm. happens in school, yeah. and maybe you are like performing a lot of. Uh, sacred music um, and actually maybe in a way I'm also poking at that and turning the sacred lyrics of our usual music that we grew up with I'm now giving our local literature and oral histories that sort of platform to become mm. new text for new music so the performance is called All This Is In Your Head which actually is a line from a poem called The Ulster Way by Alan Gillis who I use a lot of his work as inspiration. Uh, he's a really interesting writer who talks about um, Belfast. His poem Laganside is just an amazing romp along the whole regenerated Laganside area of Belfast and how as a man who grew up during the Troubles has come back and is now re-experiencing what Belfast is and how it perceives itself. So I, ch I recommend that you check out his work. That's Alan Gillis. 
And I think that's the end of our show tonight. I think we have to call it a day here. I've rambled on so much, but guys, you've been so interesting. It's been great to chat. Uh, Let me remind you the dates uh, of our festival. (laughs) Can I call it a festival? (laughs) It's Tuning the White Walls, which is a series of performance and installations at PS Squared Gallery in Belfast on Donegal Street. It's just opposite the John Hewitt and Belfast Exposed, just across the street from them. And it runs 11th of August to the 27th of August. And you'll have performances from people like Angus McAvoy, installations from Miguel Ortiz, Steph Horak, Pablo Sanz. And with us tonight, Tristan Clutterbuck. Tristan, thanks so much. And thanks for performing Thank you, as well. Thank you. And uh, it's all brought together by Min Kim and her alter ego Unali. <laughs> so thanks Min <laughs> Thank for telling you. us all about this tonight. Will we play out with some more synthesis maybe, Tristan? Can we have a little bit more knob twiddling? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if there's a desire for it. <laughs> yeah. Play one we know, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks again, guys. And yes, please, everybody, uh, if you're interested in this sort of thing um, and how music can be reconfigured into the gallery space, please visit PS Squared. That's all spelled out in letters, psquared.org and look in the upcoming events section and you can find out more about this series of events. This has been The Jewel Case with me, John Darcy. If you want to check out any more of the episodes, just go to thejewelcase.johndarcy.com or listen to us next Tuesday on Lismer's 98 FM, FM 105 or Bangor FM, Tuesday nights from 8pm to 9pm. So thank you for listening. This is going to be a little bit more of Tristan Clutterbuck. Good night. Thank you.